Hello, everybody, and thank you, Janet Lee. Wow, once again, I just love to hear those fingers dancing over those, those white and ebony keys. And you know how to get those tunes in parallel rhythmic sounds. God bless you. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, today, we have some insights. We have some deep insights. And uh, will we be able to finish this message today? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think even close. But first we say a few things here about, uh, before, we, before we get into our universal thing, let's talk a little teeny bit on Jin Tao. Uh, we talked about um, how that um, uh, when messages come through the DNA that... Uh, that uh, passes uh, like its photons um, uh, eventually to the uh, penile gland and from the penile gland to the bouton of the uh, neural uh, network, uh, especially uh, deposited at the end of the synaphysis. And uh, how that there is information. There's information there that uh, it'd be extremely powerful, extremely uh, beyond anything that that the human mind would govern uh, to to be available, uh, and uh, eventually you you know we're going to get into more and more of uh, of those kind of things, uh, so that we can really set free God's people. Now, <clears throat> there is a thing that is always interested interesting, and I've talked about it a few times. But it's what happens when the sun is shining on your automobile and you're sitting in the driver's seat or in the passenger seat and uh, the sun seems to be able to come through the, um, the, the window. And, um, and the fact of the matter is, is uh, there is something very interesting that happens there. Um, the ultraviolet light cannot make it through uh, that glass but in but so that it that fact does not uh, obscure the rest of the light from being able to get through the glass a, m a minute change in the wavelength of the light uh, turns blue to violet and allows uh, violet but not ultraviolet to pass through the glass it's, it's interesting how that just in nature, when it runs into something, it has the resource, it has the knowledge of what to do to be able to transmit the greatest amount of its energy that is uh, moving through space and how it can make that minute uh, change uh, so that the, uh, a certain part of, of the, the sun rays can pass through the glass. Well, um, if we were thinking of, um, you know, uh, of the stories where there, there have been in the Bible where it seems that uh, Jesus has just passed through the multitudes, uh, he's, he's had transmissions in which he could just pass through solid objects. And, and, and when you think that in terms of that, uh, if it being a minute uh, change in the in the wave energy of the body, so that the body 
by that wave energy is dematerialized for just uh, for just a moment, and and as it is uh, dematerialized, uh, it is it is able to um, uh, to pass through a, a solid substance, and uh, so it, it can make uh, a change that involves the differentiation of the wavelength. It also involves the differentiation of the color. And that's very interesting because in the hormones of our body, also in the brain transmissions uh, of, of the neurons, uh, there are different kinds of, uh, of colors that are, rep are represented uh, by these transmissions. So color does have a factor. And of course, in uh, synesthesia, uh, it has a, an even... A greater uh, transmission, uh, you know, representation uh, when it is a the synesthesia that is of a higher order. So uh, those things are are all interesting, and and um, they they come down to things that are that are uh, with G, you know, with with the Gentile that are that are available. Uh, for uh, healings and, and for all kinds of special effects uh, to loosen uh, information like in the Bhutans that are bound uh, in the synapses, uh, the synapses. So, so uh, we could say, well, how do you lose that? Well, it could be something li like the uh, best way to compare it in a simple way, like sympathetic vibration. Uh, like you hit a key on the piano and all of a sudden, some piece of wood up in the ceiling starts vibrating because it has a sympathetic vibration in that in that wood to that tone on the piano. Now maybe you played it um, at different times and it didn't do that, but as the piano is being played and 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 uh, environmental is having this uh, effect on the stretch of the strings, there's slight little changes that keep happening, and uh, someone would say, "Well, it's starting to get." out of tune well you could call it that but anyway it reaches the beats it reaches the vibration level that is the same as that piece of wood and all of a sudden it starts buzzing in con in connection in sympathetic vibration to that sound now i think that there is a message in that a message that um <clears throat> that that when we can become aligned to something and we can get on the same sympathetic vibration uh, that gives us the totality of the information we we need in order to make transits uh, and from one point of emission to another point of emission and and so that so that uh, a person might say well um, you know this this person I am doing gentile on this person that I'm wanting to help uh, they just have they just have problems with having all the the vitamins and the nutrients and and uh, and, and it's not even known you know what enzymes and and so forth is is missing but there is something with that can be done with gentile that is very very fantastic and that is in the gentile uh, revelation there is a thing called chemical equivalent and that means that there are certain equivalences in the body that can be loosened that will pair or match or parallel parallel uh, that particular need. Let's say, for instance, it was it was B12, and and the person just did not have it, and maybe 
in the normal way that uh, uh, that a person would be able uh, to take foods or vitamins that had the B12 in it, uh, the body uh, just could not assimilate it. It couldn't assimilate it, therefore, no matter how much B12 you fed the body, it, it, it just could not uh, assimilate it, uh, and there was no proper digestion of it. Uh, but when you are into the chemical equivalent, then that problem that is causing the eradication, that's causing the, the blockage, that's keeping the body from being able to assimilate that nourishment, uh, isn't even a factor because the chemical equivalent uh, has a different uh, uh, vibration rate, uh, although it has the molecular assemblance of 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 the the subject matter or the ingredient uh, uh, which makes it the chemical equivalent, but it still has a difference, like a little minute difference, uh, that allows uh, it uh, to become the enzyme uh, that therefore uh, allows the bo the body to be able to uh, to take in that ingredient, and so that's one of the powerful things uh, that is available. Uh, with Gentel, and uh, you know, we hope uh, to talk more about that. Okay, a couple of interesting upbeat things. Um, you know, um, not too long ago, uh, they, uh, the paleontologist, found 75 whales uh, end up uh, in the desert, uh, prehistoric skeletons uh, that were discovered in the Chilean desert, uh, 800 meters inland. Uh, they don't know when these whales died, but they think it was millions of years ago. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, they also found some other interesting uh, kinds of creatures there, uh, like extinct, what they felt were extinct dolphins with two walrus-like uh, tusks. So that's all interesting. That's all interesting. Um, another thing, ice in the Arctic is melting with such a speed melt rate that ice is jamming the main ice exodus route past Greenland into the ocean. And this is unprecedented in 1,500 years of Earth ar archaeological records. Unprecedented in 1,500 years of Earth archaeological records. There are some things brewing in the cauldron of time. And some of these things have emissions being released that seem to be fairly ugly or having the potential to be fairly ugly and even hurtful. But we know that in the revelation of God, uh, we could be able to see things and know things in the time when the time comes, and that is what is important. Now, sometimes people cannot understand the teaching of the manifest when the manifest says that God never leaves the first domain. And, and, and people have a tendency to think of the first domain uh, as dimension in the, in, in the uh, aspect of measurement. But, but uh, it, it really is, is not because the first domain is not a place. It is not a place. And so this dimension of one uh, is more along the line 
of of a an ultra um, you know um, perfect love and at the highest energy of perfection the just ultra per- perfect uh, love and and this this uh, ultra perfect love is such a pure energy that if it went outside of that domain of one which is the energy spectrum where it is then everything out there that got even close to it within eons and of time and eons of 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 miles if we can put that into eons um uh it would just explode and so god then has to use angels and 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 he has to use a ghost and so he uses his ghost to go out because uh, uh, although it is pure in the essence that it is uh, totally connected to this pure love, uh, uh, it is of a, in a different waveform uh, than, than the first presence of God, and, and that's why it's called a ghost. And so the, the ghost image goes out, and that's called the Holy Ghost. Other people call it the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, that's able to go out. And, and uh, so those things are important to know, and they have a lot to do with the you know, doctrine and teachings of the Holy Manifest. Okay, now we, we talked about um, message in a bottle. We talked about, um, you know, uh, the, uh, the, that in Psalms 56, 8, talked about, David says, I put my tears into to a bottle. And uh, and then in Job thirty eight thirty seven it talked about the bo- the bottles of heaven, uh, that thou mayest uh, in Psalms it says that thou mayest tell my my wanderings. He says I put my tears into a bottle that thou mayest tell my wanderings, uh, and uh, it it's pretty interesting uh, and beautiful uh, the way that, that that was worded. I found it extremely interesting that. Um, uh, that years and years and years ago, like a hundred years or more ago, they used to actually put uh, uh, bottles with a note in it saying to report where you found that bottle. And it was sort of a, a social scientific uh, uh, group that was checking the, uh, the environmental effects of the ocean and, and, and the movement of the waves and streams. And uh, that just recently... They found a bottle, and this is this is just during this teaching thing, this teaching episode of a, of you know message in a bottle. They found a bottle with a message in it that was nine hundred ninety eight sorry ninety eight years and and, and uh, three hundred and some days uh, uh, old that when it was first put in the water, it had been in the water, had never been discovered, had never been found for, 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 for 98, almost 99 years. And, and how that, that bottle is just now being found and reported, uh, just as we're doing this thing with, with the message in a bottle. And, and I, I think, you know, I just have to think that those are signs. Uh, I, I, just, I just really, I really do, and I think it's, it's quite beautiful. Well, there's a message in the bottle, um, you know, and, and there's a genie in there. 
and uh, this genie needs to be let out. And we're going to call that genie Nimrod, uh, because Nimrod, uh, you know, has a lot of meaning to it. Like, uh, you know, Nim and Rod both have really deep meanings, like, like uh, Nimus, uh, uh, you know, actually means a leopard. Uh, it is uh, said in, in some of the history uh, uh, reports that uh, Nimrod, when he went hunting, used to take a trained leopard with him to hunt. And, and, and he took on that name uh, Nim, uh, for, for me, for which was uh, a name uh, that actually is part of the meaning of uh, Nimus for, for, for leopard. And um, it's very interesting that... Uh, that uh, he he built a lot of major cities, and he was a he was a he was a king. And remember now, remember he was the son of Cush, who was a son of Ham, who was a son of Noah. So so uh, Noah was the was the grandfather of Nimrod, and this Rod name is bigger and more important than than almost uh, any average Bible reader would have any idea. And so it's very, very important. And and there were other names ascribed to Cush, the father of Nimrod, like Baal, B-A-A-L, and Baal, B-A-E-L, and Bel. Now, B-E-L actually was just an abbreviation of Baal, B-A-E-L. So it, it, they left out the A, and they just went B. E L uh, and, and pronounced a B with a B, a B L, a Bell, and and uh, and so you know that's that name actually also means uh, means uh, uh, Bell, and and there are interesting things about the the Bell uh, and, and the uh, Bell uh, because um, there's there's um, you know uh, 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 Bell Bell uh, Herman. Uh, the Mount uh, Mount Hermon, and um, and there's other words in the Bible that can be discovered through the Akava uh, that uh, show us how that there was a possession of of this bell uh, uh, that took place on the mount. Well, of course, in the in the book of Enoch, it talks about two hundred uh, fallen angels coming down on Mount Hermon. And these were the ones supposedly that had uh, intercourse with the daughters of men. Of course, that that's incorrect. That's not right. But uh, there was a, they, there was a possession. They did come down to possess, and and there's a big difference, uh, you know, uh, between what people are interpreting that to be and what it really is. And so that's very very interesting. And uh, of course, Nimrod he had a lot of different names. He was the king of Shinar. And Shinar's uh, figures quite interestingly in the Bible, and uh, he had the name uh, uh, Amaphel, and uh, and uh, he he was he was the king of Amaphel, and uh, you you can find these connections in Genesis fourteen one, and Genesis ten eight through ten, Genesis fourteen one and Genesis ten eight through ten, and uh, you begin to see the this. Uh, this um, Nimus, uh, N-I-N-U-S, Nimus, uh, which, uh, uh, you know, from the, um, the uh, town or the city, the big, huge city of Nineveh, where you remember Jonah was sent to warn those people, and um, uh, that, uh, 
you know, uh, Nimrod was involved in building that city. And, and it actually means, uh, uh, the word uh, uh, Nineveh actually means, you know, uh, possessed, possessed by, uh, by, by Nimus. And uh, so it gives, the name gives credit to Nimrod uh, as to his, the first part of his name, Nim. And of course, the rod, uh, you know, is, is we're going to get into a lot of that about the rod today. But anyway, a, as you would read in Genesis 10, 8 through 10, uh, the beginning of the, of, of the kingdom of Nimrod was, in, was Babel, also known as Babylon. And uh, so uh, those things are very, very, very important uh, to be understood. Now we want to we're going to carry on. We're going to have to. We're going to repeat a few things because I, I want to see to it that you understand this message because it is so absolutely important that that it's it's almost beyond uh, uh, what the mind uh, can even think to comprehend uh, as expecting uh, you know it to to happen the way that uh, that uh, God has revealed it in the Bible and has made it possible for people who want to believe the truth to be able to see that truth so so uh, you know yes there is a dark dawn out there but there is also a, a super morning dawn uh, and and uh, we, we are going to give all the credit to the best parts of God's plan, and we're going to just uh, hang into it. And we want to we want to show you some more scripture on this whole thing, connecting to Mars, connecting to N Nimrod, uh, connecting to the, the 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 meaning and and uh, uh, you know of all these uh, uh, revelational type of things that are so utterly outstanding. Um, now, uh, I would like to start off with the scripture that um, <laughs> it might blow you away. Uh, but before we get into the total aspect of all of this, um, why don't I get you to turn to Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10, because that is so, so great. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. And I want to read this to you. And I know, uh, <laughs> I know it's going to have an effect on you. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, here, here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. But let's start with verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he, meaning Jesus, said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means uh, hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not, that the spirits are uh, uh, in this, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I saw Satan fall from heaven as lightning. What does that mean? Someone says, "Well, uh, he must have tripped on something and just totally lost his balance and start tumbling and falling down from heaven and hit the earth." That is really dumb. 
And if you can't come up with better ideas than that in your understanding and interpretation of the Bible, I recommend a diet of daily prayer. Because if you just think about it, we have this powerful uh, uh, angel, Lucifer, Satan, and he's able to take Jesus carry him through the air and take him up to the, the highest point of the, of, of the, 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 the pinnacle uh, of the temple and, and take him up to a high mountain. Uh, uh, you know, he's not got any problem with falling, you know, and, and uh, you're not going to see uh, something like that scenario. That word fall and that connection to lightning is, is not the meaning of that at all. But there is a really important connection with that scripture to, to the verses uh, in, in, uh, in Genesis. Uh, someone say, well, what, what verses in Genesis? Well, the ones that I've been talking to you on, in which it talks about when, um, when uh, the, uh, uh, the angels were, were uh, caused to be put around the tree of life, and uh, and you know to keep uh, people from uh, you know uh, taking advantage of the tree of life and when when they uh, shouldn't be uh, you know uh, uh, welcomed by the word of God to to do that and we find this in the third chapter of Genesis and um, and don't lose your place in Luke and uh, and it says here in verse twenty two. Uh, and I'm middle of the verse. And now least he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, the man's. He drove out the man, and he and he placed at the east garden of Eden. Now um, the very fact that it says east garden of Eden which designates Garden of Eden East, then also designates that there is a West Garden of Eden. Otherwise, you don't, you don't have an East unless there is a West. And, and, and especially in the notation of how this verse is written, you know, um, he, he, he goes and he, uh, you know, he's placed at the East of the, of the Garden of Eden. Okay, and uh, and so we we have we have in the teachings of the manifest both uh, uh, um, an east Eden and a west Eden, and and that's very very important. Okay, let's go on here, you know. And then there was cherubims, and a flaming sword which touched every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now we we teach in the holy manifest that there was a was a, 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 a demarcation line, and right in that demarcation line that separated the east and the west gardens of Eden, um, there, 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 the trees of, of life and the tree of good and evil knowledge were planted. And, and the tree of life was just inside the border of the east uh, garden, and the tree of good and evil knowledge was just barely on the other side of that border, just barely into the west side of the of the garden, so they were both right there, sort of like in the middle between the two gardens, and and uh, and there was placed two cherubims, and uh, and and then there and additional uh, 
and this additional was a flaming sword which turned every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, um, I can guarantee you that, that that is not talking about one sword that was placed in the hands of two angels. Because we see from the direction of how the Bible deals with the cherubims and their ministry and uh, how that compares, uh, you know, to, to this example in the garden. Like, for instance, in Exodus 25, 18, uh, we find uh, a description of um, how God deals, uh, you know, in his placement of the cherubims. Uh, and he says in Exodus twenty-five eighteen, Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold of beaten work, shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. And make one cherub on one end, and the other cherub on the other end, even in the mercy seat shalt thou make the cherubims on the two ends thereof, and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, their faces shall look one to another, toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Now, we see that, that God has a plan how that he does this thing with the cherubim, and, and they're not in the description of a sword turning every which way, but they are given specific ways. Also, when you read about the cherubims that are flying in the, in the wheels, uh, we have that same kind of thing about the hither and thither uh, as the spirit goes, so so they went. And and so uh, uh, we now understand when we look at this that this flaming sword was something different than what people have thought it to be, and and it was and it was in someone's control different than who they thought it to be. And we've said, okay, this is talking about Lucifer, Satan. That was his his uh, his rod, his his uh, you know wand, and uh, and uh, okay. So now, um, how does that connect to the, I saw uh, Lucifer fall from heaven? Well, Jesus is saying, I you know he says fall from heaven. Okay, um, he he's saying something incredibly awesome here, and uh, uh, let's let's just take a fast look at. Um, at um, Revelations 12. And let's just read something there. Now, remember, uh, before uh, Lucifer becomes uh, Satan, um, uh, you know, he, he was not immediately called Satan. That didn't come about until after the, the fall and, and uh, the transition from losing his, uh, his, uh, his position. And in, uh, so, okay, so in, in Revelations, um, uh, and in the 12th chapter, here is what it says. Um, verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon its head, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of the heaven, or of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be de delivered for to devour her as soon as he it was born. <coughs> and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God to his throne. Okay? And, and um, now, this, you see, is before the war. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven... And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. 
um, this is wasn't before uh, any aspects of war, uh, but I'm, the the final aspect of the war that that made the conclusion of of uh, you know basically kicking him out, um, you know, because we see in this fourth verse. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. That Lucifer's in charge of who's going to fall down to earth. He's doing the casting down. And this is not the cherubims or the seraphims that are doing it. Lucifer is. But then there's war in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there found any more uh, found any more in heaven. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. Okay, now it begins to interpret the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent, and it begins to show his what his his name is and who he is now that he's on earth. He's called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, now. Let's look at this thing uh, again with uh, in Luke 10 and what, what it says, you know, in, in Luke 10 because that is so absolutely incredible. Uh, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven as lightning. Let me, um, let me just read a few things of that because that is, that is utterly incredible, the revelation of what this is. Someone says, well, you know, what does it mean? Okay, uh, what it means is that this lightning, I saw him fall from heaven as lightning. What that is referring to is the lightning rod. Now we're back to the word rod, R-O-D. It's a lightning rod. And of course, lightning travels the speed of light. And so now all of a sudden, what we've got is, a, is an un, you know, heretofore undisclosed message about a rod. A lightning rod, and so this. So Jesus is saying, "I saw uh, Satan fall as as a lightning rod." Uh, now, when the word "fall" is is talking about here, is not stumbling and tripping and and plundering down, but it's talking about uh, something being lost, something being lost, and 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 what has happened is uh, actually. Part of this story I've been trying to teach you about Mars, and and we're, don't just hang on, don't get all all uh, ghostified and decide to to leave before you hear more of the story. But but the story about Mars it ties into this, and and so so when it says you know it fell from heaven, uh, you know it it is not talking about the heaven where the angels fell from, because they weren't fighting their war in the sky. Of, of the earth and and that's what this word heaven basically means is sky uh, uh, and and to properly understand what the word sky means you have to look at the first chapter of Genesis and when you look at the first chapter of Genesis you know verse 8 and God called the firmament heaven and so so the firmament which is the sky he called heaven so in this fall is is from a firmament. Now it's not talking about the firmament of this earth, because he's falling to earth. So he's falling from a heaven that's somewhere else, and we're saying that this is his is is his 
fall, his failure, his loss when he took uh, when he took the um, the the, um, the Nephilim when he took these these uh, brute beast creations and uh, he tried to spare them alive uh, as a, a counterpart plan so that when 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 uh, God took and allowed the cherubims to come in and to take the children uh, that were the offspring of, of um, Enoch and spare their lives and save them, uh, it opened up a counter uh, part because that's the way it works in the wave of the up and the down and, and, and in the way that God throttles and transmissions, uh, you know, uh, the fairness of, of, of equations uh, that allow the well to uh, perpetrate all things that exist so that there is a choice of, of the good or a choice of the evil, just like even in the Garden of Eden, the choice of the tree of life, the choice of the, of the tree of, of good and evil. And that's always been the case, and, and it will be the case till the, till the closing of this, of this universe. And so now we've, we've got this firmament that re is representing, uh, you know, because Mars does have an atmosphere. So they have a firmament. So that's, that's what, what fell. Now, was there a war there? Uh, yeah. You, you, you need to really believe that there was a war there because, because uh, there was quite the war there. Let's, let's look at, um, at Daniel. I think it's the 8th chapter. I hope I'm remembering that right. Um, but uh, let's look at that. And uh, let's, uh, you know, let's, let's just see what uh, uh, that is going to tell us. Um, you know, because uh, uh, there, there, is, there is revelation that, that, uh, that is meant to, to, uh, to reveal things that is just going to absolutely um, make Satan angry because he doesn't want some of these things to be known. He, he, he doesn't want, uh, you know, the world out there to, to be aware of, of all the truth and all the knowledge. And so, you know, he, he will do whatever he can to stop that knowledge uh, from getting out of the bottle. He wants to keep it in the bottle does not want it to come out of the bottle. And, uh, and so God is, is dealing uh, right now for, um, for us to, uh, you know, to understand this in such a way that, um, uh, that it, it opens up the word. It, it opens it up. It clarifies it. You know, that's, that's what we're really doing right now is clarifying the word, opening the bottle, letting the, the genie get out where people can see the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and, uh, and, and really get the message. Because once they've got the message, it changes everything. And, and uh, that, is, uh, that is what is, is happening, uh, this major chain. Okay, chapter 8, verse 10. Here we go in Daniel 8, 10. And, and it waxed great even unto the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Now, um, there is this, is this little horn that comes out of, the, out of this, um, you know, uh, uh, like this goat. 
And some people say, yeah, but that's talking about Greece and that's talking about, you know, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter which part of uh, the human race is talking about um, because um, God just uses people as transmission uh, uh, stations uh, to, to move from one point to another. And just like in the, new, in, the, in the book of Revelations where we see this little horn that comes up and it turns out uh, to be uh, you know, on the beast, which the beast just represents nations, different nations. Uh, it, it represents uh, you know, the, like the Antichrist. Okay, so now we got this this um, uh, this horn that has come up, but but now it moves from the earth realm. It goes from the earth realm. It goes someplace else. Where does it go? Well, it it goes up uh, uh, to 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 you know even to the host of heaven, and it casts down some of the host of the stars to the ground and and stamped upon them. Now, was there a a war? that took place on Mars between the forces of, of Satan and the forces of God? Yes, there was. This is another war. And, and it was an incredible war, and I'm going to show you the scriptures for this. It's just an incredible thing. And, and that is why that the, the, the planet uh, Mars itself, the, the very name Mars, uh, mean, mean, means God of war. That's the very. That's what the very name Mars means, God of War, and so we've got this planet, God of War planet, you know, uh, which which uh, we're going to sure show you a lot of new things today on, on that subject. But first, we got to you know just put it all together, and 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 really show you these scriptures, uh, you know, because uh, <laughs> it's just absolutely. Uh, super interesting and super challenging, uh, you know. You know, in Isaiah fourteen thirteen, he says, "I will exalt my throne." This is the plan of Lucifer, Satan, to exalt his throne. He wants to be above all the stars of heaven. He had he had a plan, uh, you know, and and he he chose, uh, you know, uh, like the ex like in Jude thirteen, it talks about the wandering stars, uh, the very name planet means wandering stars comes from from, from the, the Greek it means wandering stars so he had a plan with these wandering stars going way back in time and and Mars was definitely one of the one of the first Mars and Jupiter were both on his playlist and he had big big plans for that now we're going to show you uh, something uh, you know quite amazing that 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 ties into this scenario and uh and 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 all that it 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 opens up because uh it, it really does open up some some in, incredible things um let me just uh, look over here now in um in ezekiel i uh, pardon me in, in isaiah and let's see what we can find all right now, one of the things we have to do sometimes is we have to, you know, show people how uh, the Bible sometimes has to be uh, has to has to has to be uh, corrected as far as some of the translations, because when some of these um, translations were given 
and uh, and and the very capable translators, uh, you know, looked at these words, and they 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 thought, oh no, it cannot mean that, because they were putting that uh, in their own uh, in their own uh, you know ideology in their own concepts. But let's now look at uh, chapter thirty-four of Isaiah. Okay, and let's let's read something. Chapter thirty-four. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, and their host shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine, and as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon into me and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Now, we look at that and we say, well, you know, what does that mean? And what does that have to do with, with the connection to these other scriptures that you've, you've read? Everything. Because we're going to look at this part here where it says, my sword shall be bathed in heaven. That is put in, in, in uh, future tense. It's something that's going to happen. But actually, that is not how the original word was written. Now, if you have a way of getting a copy of a Hendrickson interlinear Bible, the Hebrew and the Greek, but especially now we're dealing with the Hebrew, Hendrickson, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, interlinear Bible, then you, you will be able to see what the actual wording really was. And here's how it reads in the Hendrickson Interlinear Bible. My sword is drenched in the heavens. My sword is drenched in the heavens. And it is talking about not what shall be but it's talking about rolling the heavens also it mentions rolling the heavens together as a scroll compressing space that this is something that was a, not in the just in the past not just in the future but it was an ongoing thing it was a war that was going on it was an episode that was going on. And my sword shall be drenched in, in the, the blood of the heavens or of the heaven. It shall come down. Wow. What is different about that? Everything. Because now it reveals to us that the Bible actually says that there's this heaven. And we know it's not talking about the, the 12th chapter of Revelations and that, and that war in heaven. But it's talking about that 
that war that we read to you in Daniel 8.10, where a host of the stars are cast to the ground. And so we've got the seraphim and the cherubim uh, warring with, with Satan, and Satan has taken a stand with his co-wound angels, and there's a war going on. And Satan is trying to protect his plan. And his plan is to preserve these Nephilim. His plan is to preserve this seed. Because he's got an incredible plan, and I'm going to share some of that with you, that's almost beyond the beyond. And during this war, uh, some of the, the good angels, uh, they get knocked out of service. Some say, oh, I don't think that could be possible. Uh, isn't that interesting that you don't think that? You need to rethink it. Don't think that just because an angel's on the good side that an angel can't, can't be affected by the bad side. There, what happens is when these mind exchanges take place, it absorbs the entity's energy, and it just they just reach a point of no charge, and when they reach that point of no charge, uh, then that's when they're going to do what, like what it describes here, uh, in this book of, of, of um, Daniel, Daniel 8, verse 10, where there's just going to be these stars, which are angels, are just going to be pulled back down, cast back away from, from, from Mars and going to be forced to have to go back uh, and recharge and uh, go back to Earth. Someone says, you mean that there was actually good angels? Yeah, and every war that there's been, there's been fatalities on both sides, but they don't die. They just, they just lose their charge. When they lose their charge, they are not capable of fighting the war until they re get recharged, which is a process of time. So this was an incredibly terrible war that took place. But Jesus, who says, before Abraham, I am, he saw that war, and he saw Satan defeated. And he saw this thing with the rod, this lightning rod, that he lost this sword. He lost this sword, which is also called a rod. So when we are talking about a rod of iron, which, believe me, this rod of iron is all through the Bible and, and it's, it's mentioned also in the book of Revelations. Right up to the end of time, we're dealing with the rod of iron. And we're dealing with the rod of iron. We're dealing with a sword. A, 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 a rod of iron is a, is a sword. Now here you have to understand this thing about the, about the rod. It, it's, it's, like, it's like a wand. And, and uh, you know, God said to Moses, what is that you have in your hand? He says, oh, well, I've got my staff. I, I guess you could call it a rod. He said, here's what I want you to do. Lift that thing, lift that thing up. And do this and do that. And he, he followed the instructions of God and he saw all the incredible things it could do. This rod is of the nature 
that you can create, you can cause it to change into anything. It can change into a servant. It can change into a sword. It can change into a staff. It can change into a stave. Wow. And I'm going to show you scripture for it. That's the incredible thing about this revelation of this. And that's why Lucifer, Satan, did not want to lose this rod of lightning, this lightning rod. Did not want to lose it. Wow. So, let me try not to confuse you. But let me go back in time a little bit. Way, way back when the, the fallen angels of the Ophanim first started falling into the planet, the one-third of the stars cast to earth, they were called teraphim. And that is T-E-R-A-P-H-I-M. And that goes along with 1 Corinthians 15.40 when Paul was talking about the terrestrials. Terrestrial has to do with land, people living on land. And um, these teraphim had a practice which was carried on by the elders of Moses. And their, their practice was that their father was always respected. Honor your father, honor your mother. Your father was respected. And they would take his, uh, a carving of his head and face features and they would put that on the the head of the rod where you would hold your hand put your hand on it like a staff or a rod and and that was like a spiritual ancestral spirit not a bad one but a good one because these were people like you know like Jacob and Isaac and and Abraham, and 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 and, and they, they had, they, they belonged to the God of the living and not the God of the dead. So even in their their transcendent state, they still could could uh, release energy uh, into other people just through the connection to them. And so these teraphim were part of this rod revelation. But then later, they began to worship these, these rod figures and then take and put them on little legs and, you know, make idols out of them. And so the revelation of the teraphim was lost. Well, how big of a loss was that? Well, the really meaning of that word, you know, and you can look up some of these, you know, uh, these different uh, references, like uh, uh, 8655, and uh, 7495 in the Strong's Concordance. And what it means is a healer, a physician. It used to be that God's people were physicians. And they even called Jesus a physician. Physician, heal thyself. That was what the spiritual people were called to be, physicians and healers. Now that's been all taken over by the medical uh, society and and it's all done 
under a misguided and lost revelation about caduceus, the, the medical rod, the medical pole that the medical surface people take their, their oath to that just has a serpent wrapped around it, which I've been explaining this to you, what the real picture was, but we have to see how important that is. You haven't begun to, to see the whole story or to even begin to, to recognize how important that this is. That, that's lost. That's lost. That all went down with the revelation of the teraphim. <coughs> so, <coughs> as we begin to um, come into the realization of, of, of this whole story and the, the, the eroding of what has happened to God's people over the long course of time, just from one juncture to another juncture. And, and how the, that in this war, that even the seraphims and the cherubims who have fought for the fallen Ophanim, they, they, they've had some of their comrades to be wounded in the sense of losing their charge. It's a very embarrassing, degrading thing. But Lucifer Satan is not just nothing to, to fool with. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that the war isn't flesh and blood. The war that we're, that we're involved in is, is between the powers of, of light and darkness. The, these are, these are, are powerful wars uh, of, of the spirits of God and the spirits that, of Satan. Now, it wouldn't be a war. It wouldn't be uh, a challenge. It wouldn't be a big thing if there was absolutely no chance of Satan being able to make a defense and Satan being able to, uh, to uh, uh, dispose of, of some of, of those uh, angels coming against him. Otherwise, it'd just be a laugh. It'd, it'd be a joke to try to say, yeah, well, it's the powers of the principalities are at war. There wouldn't even be a war if, if he, he could not have, be strong enough and powerful enough that he could have an effect on them and do what it says in Daniel 8.10, cause the stars to fall uh, and, and from that heaven and, and, and fall back to earth because they lost their charge. So we know that, that, that it's a thing that has happened. The, the sword was bathed in, in the heavens. It was, it was drenched with blood. It was a bloody battle up there. But again, Satan lost. And it was a pride thing, a terrible pride thing that he lost that war. And as a result, he had a choice to either have all of the Nephthalim be killed or to give up his lightning rod. And we're going to show you something about that. This rod that could change into anything that he wanted to pass on to a second in command. And so he made the decision to lay down this, this wand of Satan. He to lay it down and it's been left in a cave up there on Mars. So it says, oh my God. Yeah. I, you should say that. But this thing about rods is not, uh, is not simple. Aaron's rod butted it and then had, had fruit on it. 
Like almonds, I think it was. This is a major thing of God and His Spirit moving. Because that's, that rod represents far more than what anyone can even imagine. And, and iron is involved in it. You know, in the book of Revelations, it says that God's going to rule with a rod of iron. But you have to understand what that means. There's a sword involved there. There's an axis involved there. There is a lot to that story. We've already made the comparison on this thing with the rods about the photoreceptor cells in the retina of the eye. And, 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 and the huge number of these photoreceptors, you know, something like 20, uh, 120 million rod cells that are in the, in the retina. And, and how that these are involved, uh, like sometimes in connection with the ganglia, ganglion cells uh, for rhythm and reflex. And how that they're able to absorb different wavelengths. I mean, it's an incredible thing. Rod, rod, rod. I mean, it keeps coming up. It keeps having an incredible connection. That's why these revelations have to get out of the bottle. What kind of people was it that were the, the kings who came across the desert to find the, the child Jesus and to worship him and bring, bring financial blessings to him? It was the Magi. Well, the Magi is a, like an abbreviation of, of, of magician in the sense of uh, uh, magical. Christians don't like to use that word magical because it's been taken over by Satan, just like the word physician has been taken over. And we're not trying to put any physicians or doctors down. They, you know, they're out there trying to do what they can to help humanity. But this thing is not, it's not stupid. Acts 10.39 says that Jesus died on a tree because one of the meanings of rod is branch and is tree. So when, when the, the old uh, uh, large full-size uh, Webster dictionaries, when you look up the word rod, and it would, it would also give the, the, the cross that Jesus died on, it wasn't out of line, because the scripture said, Acts 10.59, Jesus died on a tree. So that, that, that pole was a tree. It was a rod. Wow. And the axis of the earth, from the North Pole to the South Pole, people consider that like there's a rod that goes all the way through it, connects to the iron core. It makes this electromagnetic contact all the way through from one end to the other. Wow. Now, when we were talking about this revelation of the, of the, of the, the serpent and, and uh, Numbers 21, there was a part that we didn't get into, but it's, it's extremely worth getting into, and I want to I just take the time right now to do it. Let's get over, let's get over there in the Bible to um, Numbers 21. 
And this, this is quite the story. Again, <laughs> you'll probably be a lot of, of uh, old stiff colored preachers that would not appreciate this teaching. But I'm going to let, let none of those people stand in my way, I'll tell you that. I haven't got time to fool around with that. I, I, I just believe in going forward. I just believe in letting the Word of God get, out, get free and get that devil genie out of the body. Let people see the truth for what it really is. Amen. Amen. Okay. I hope you're there. You know, uh, we, we, want to, um, we want to really get into this. And uh, in case you can't find it, uh, Numbers comes after Leviticus. And we're looking for uh, 21. Chapter 21. All right. So here we go. And uh, just think deeply as you read this, you know. Verse 14. Wherefore it is said in the book of wars of the Lord what he did in the Red Sea and in the brooks of Arnon. Now there's a book of wars. I mean, it's been lost. It's another thing that's lost. And there are a lot of stories in that book. If it doesn't show up somewhere on earth, I plan to bring that back through the gift of the Telestesian prophet. Verse 15. And at the stream of the brooks that goeth down to the dwelling of Ar, and lieth upon the border of Moab. And from thence they went to Beer, that is, the well whereof the Lord spake unto Moses, Gather the people together, and I'll give them water. And Israel sang, sang this song. Spring up, O well. Sing ye unto the Lord. Now, they are obviously looking for an ancient note of story of where there was a well, where there was water that could be had from a well because obviously uh, this song makes it clear the well is not flowing and so they're singing a song spring up a well sing unto it and the priest digged the well and the nobles of the people digged it by the direction of the lawgiver with the staves there was two things going on, three things going on. The ladies and some of the people were all singing, Spring up, old well. The princes were involved in actually digging, being ready to dig. And the nobles were going to do their digging a different way by the direction of the lawgiver. Now, what we're talking about here, when we look up, up the, the word um, stave, we're talking about some incredible, utterly incredible connections. And one of the connections to the word stave means divining 
rod, divining rod. In 4731, a shoot, a, 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 a stick for guiding a divining rod staff. That's from 1 Samuel 17.43 and number 47.31 in strong concordance. This is actually from the Bible now. A shoot, a stick, a rod for guiding, for, for a divining rod, a staff. And also in Numbers 21.18 where it mentions the word staff. In 49.38 it mentions for substance. Well, substance and guiding for finding things like water or, or things that you need to survive all goes together with this stave or staff that is used to guide called a divining rod. Now, what has happened to that? Well, there's another kind of rod that has, has taken over. And it's not even a true rod, and it's called witching. Now, if you think about that word witching, it shouldn't take you too long to figure out what side of the fence that belongs to. You're going out there and you're doing witching. I, I don't want to go out there and find water. I don't want to go out there and find gold oil or anything by the method of witching. Because that, that name and that energy belongs to the psychic and, and to the, the dark side, to use the term of Star Wars. But in the Bible, we have it right here. And believe me, this was happening during that time, the same time where they were having problems getting across the, this desperate wilderness. And it was there that they, that they were being attacked. They were being attacked by these critters, these serpents. But that wasn't all that they were being attacked by, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But this story in, in Genesis, pardon me, in, in, in Numbers, this story about the 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 pole that he would got, he was told to make. He was told to make this pole, and he was told, and he had used two different names as I told you last week. And you had the seraphim, which was a totally different meaning, a different word from Strong's, and you had you had the the serpent, the snake, the Nahash, another different name, and the angel. Seraphim had its head on top of the head of the serpent. And he said, when you look at this, here's conquering. Here's God's victory. You're going to be healed from any bite that you've received or prevent it from getting any bites if you look upon this. Now this is the rod ministry. This thing with the rod is incredible because it can change from one shape to another shape, from one, from one concept to another concept. There's something big here. Even Jacob understood that. 
when he made these little wood uh, emblems and called them rods and he peeled little certain kinds of white spots in them. Sort of like he created a signal there. And, and when the cattle and the sheep would come to, to before the watering trough and, and they would look upon those particular uh, uh, rods, it would affect them genetically and, and their DNA so, so that, that it would change the color of, 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 their, of their, uh, their hair. And then that allowed him to end up becoming the main owner of most of those, those uh, cattle and sheep. This ministry of the rod is an incredible ministry. I don't know if I have time to get to the scripture today, but I can, I, I can tell you it's in the Bible, where that David, when he went out to fight Goliath, he took more than just those five stones and his sling. He took with him these sticks that are, were rods. And these particular rod sticks were divining rods. And he used those divining rods for it to show the, him and guide him as to the course that he should fling that missile of, a, of the rock in order to be able to strike and kill that giant. And it was actually done with these, with these sticks. That to, and it's, it's in the Bible. I may or may not have the time to get into that today, but if I don't this time, we'll catch it next week or so. This is not accidental. There's more other, there's other stories. Other stories that have to do with the rod and with the wand, the divining, the divining rod, the divining, uh, you know. Yeah, Lucifer didn't want to lose this divining wand, but he had to lay it down. He had to lay it down. And when that happened, Jesus said, I saw him fall from lightning, as lightning. I saw him fall. Wow. And, and, and so there's just a whole lot more to that than people have ever imagined. They haven't begun to see this whole connection, this whole incredible connection. But it's, it's there and it's real. And remember, that was, that was Luke 10, uh, 18. We, pro we probably should just read that one more time because there's some other scriptures with it that connect. And it says, um, 10, 18, uh, when they're after the 70 returned and they were cast, had been casting out devils. Verse 19, this is after he says, And I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven, and behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And, and that is the other critter that was out there in that vast wilderness that they had to deal with. Uh, serpents and scorpions. And that is no minor revelation. Because we're going to make a connection here in a little bit to show you uh, exactly what I'm, I'm talking about in some of these connections. So just hang and hold. As, as we begin to see these things. So he said, Behold, I'll give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you by any means. Wow. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And this is all tied in to, to the fall uh, of, of, of Satan and, and, and what all that meaning is about.
Wow. So now we begin to see the Daniel 8.10, the host of stars cast to the ground. Mean to the, down to the bottom of their, of their energy charge. The meaning of Satan's con continuous stroke, continuous plan. Isaiah 14.13, I will exalt my throne. Yes, he's involved in all these different things. The star Wormwood. The star of your god Rimfan. All these things are part of the plan that he has put together. Now, do you think this thing about scorpions is minor? Well, First, let's read John three fourteen fifteen. John three fourteen fifteen, and let's just take a look at what that says. John three fourteen fifteen. Okay, here's what it says. And and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if you don't have that right, ladies and gentlemen, then you can't understand the, the revelation. And what were we into here in this, in this thing? Okay, let's, let's just look at this. Here's when he's talking about being born again. And there's a revelation there about being born from above that people don't, till this day, many of them know. And, and here is where he talks about, you know... Uh, I've told you earthly things, verse 12. You have not believed. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And, and what was that purpose going to be about? What was that purpose going to be about? It's so incredible, that purpose. Here was why the Son of Man was going to be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And, of course, that was the idea of, 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 the, of the rod and, and, and the seraphim at the top uh, uh, taking dominion over the, the seraph Nahash uh, devil serpent uh, below on the pole. And listen what verse follows that. John 3.16 For God so loved the universe that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how powerful that's connected. You've got to get it right. If you don't get it right, if you don't get the story, if you don't get this, uh, this incredible uh, number of mysteries, then you, you miss out on the whole story. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, as he did it, the mystery of how that was, that's how I am going to be lifted up. And it's all tied in to the mystery of God and to the love of God. You're not going to be lifted up and be, and, and, and they put, be put up there like the same snake that's out there biting and killing people. Put them up there on this pole, put him up there on this cross, and in, and in that same uh, uh, snake look, 
that that somehow is going to be for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten snake. That whosoever looked on this snake and was kind in their thinking might be able to be saved by some incredible miracle not yet supposed. That is not the plan. That is not the plan, ladies and gentlemen. The plan was to see that Jesus was going to be lifted up like that angel, the seraphim. And it's going to take dominion because he's the seed of the offspring of, of Adam who is going to trample the serpent according to the, the book of, of Genesis. It's all part of the revelation. And if you don't get the whole story, you miss out. And it's part of the revelation of the rod. The axis of the earth, that's Jesus. The tree is the rod. And when he went on that rod, it's the whole story. You can turn this rod into anything. They've tried to make it a tree of death. And he turned it into a tree of life. They tried to make it a tree of vengeance and hate. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They tried to make it nasty and threatening. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world. That's why he did this. It is just so beautiful. And so Jesus said in that, in that 10th chapter of Luke, I'm going to give you power to trample the serpents. In interesting, trample. We've got that foot on top of the, 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 the serpent's head again, don't we? You're going to trample them. And you're going to trample the, you're going to trample the, the scorpions too. Well, let's look at real fast at Deuteronomy 8.15. I've got to really hustle here. I've got so much to cover yet. Deuteronomy 8.15. Here we go. Who led thee through, talking about God, that great and terrible wilderness, wherein there were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth, who brought forth water out of the rock of Flint. And that's talking about the whole journey. There was one time it was done through a rock. There was another time it was done through these divining rods. Because it was a long journey. It wasn't just one time that you needed to drink water. Wow. This permeates the scripture. It permeates the scripture. Now, let's look at Revelations 9.3. Revelations 9.3. I preached on this one before, uh, way back. But it's all tied in. So we have to, we have to, you know, put it together so that uh, we can cut the knot and uh, loosen the, the genie out of the, the bottle. Chapter 9. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Isn't that interesting? The star falls from heaven to the earth. But he's given the key to the bottomless pit. And, and, and who is that? Well, in verse 11 it says, And they had over them a king, 
which is the angel of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and a smoke of great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts. We call them mantis. And to them was given power as the, as the power of scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded that they should not hurt the, any green grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should, should be uh, tormented five months, and their torment was as the, the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Now they say that there is no greater excruciating pain of anything that can happen to a human being that is, that is more painful than the sting of a scorpion. The really nasty poison that that puts into the body and what it does. How it wrenches and tears at the nerve fibers. And, and, and how it just uh, possesses the whole body. But there's a story here. We're 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 at chapter nine of Revelation, and we're still we're still connecting to the twenty-first chapter of of um, of Numbers, and connecting to the eighth chapter, fifteenth verse of Deuteronomy. Why? Because this this is all one picture. This thing of the rod is all one picture, and I saw Satan fall as a lightning rod. <laughs> Whoa. You know, if you have an antenna on your roof and you're trying to get divine things from God, you still need to put a ground, a rod into the, into the earth to put, have a ground so that some lightning strike out of the sky doesn't strike you and destroy your antenna and maybe kill, kill you. Interesting, isn't it? The Bible talks about being grounded. There's a whole story here. There is a whole story here. And it is so very important. Here we go. Let's go on with this. Chapter 9. And in those days, verse 6, men shall seek death and not find it. Shall desire to die, death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared in the battle, and on their heads, as it were, crowns of gold, and their faces were like faces of the faces of men. And they had teeth as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates. Oh, there's a whole story here, and I've done teachings on this. Verse 10, and they had tails likened to scorpions, and their stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt men for five months. And they had a king over them. Now, what is this bottomless pit? We tell people, we teach people. This bottomless pit is not down into the, the earth, as some people try to say. They get mixed up with the thing that refers to, to the grave. But this bottomless pit is space. And Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And there's a war between the 
the principalities of darkness and the principalities of light and it's still going on and it's affecting everything that there is and wow there, there's you know there's some so many important things like for instance I, I was sharing with you how that this word in 2 Kings 17.30, Nergal, had in it G-A-L, which is part of Galgal, which is the wheel, which is the flying saucer. And then you find in the first chapter and the tenth chapter uh, other uh, words that are different, but they also mean wheel. And they represent Ophan and Ophanim, the, the singular and the plural. And I showed you how that in that revelation... And it's so important that obviously this Nergal, which means Mars, is connected with the very word wheel in the middle of the wheel. Spirits within these physical machines, spacecrafts, connected to Mars. And then we got into this thing about Tuesday. And, and, and let me just leave these additional thoughts with you because I'm running out of time. But the word scorpion is, is formed from a root, which means to cleave to the battle of war. And in the, in the, in the zodiac, it is, a, a, it is the sign for the house of Mars. And in the study of, of ancient language, two years ago, Tuisco, T-U-I-S-C-O, for T-U-V-E-S hyphen day, Tuesday, is the Anglo-Saxon name for Mars. It's the name for Mars, in addition to being the name of the day of the week. And Mars in the ancient zodiac, which believe me, that's mentioned in the Bible too in Job, belongs to the, the influence of the latter part of Scorpio, the Scorpion constellation. Now, it is a fact that the alphabet and its vowels are connected to the zodiac and are attached to the revelation of astronomy if a person was able to be able to see that. And if, when I have the time, I want to show you how that this Tuesday thing, which is a part of Astoreth, her name, which was also called a star T, how that that last part of it, a star, which was... That's what those planets were called, wandering stars. And the T, which is Tuesday, which is not only the name of the day of the week, but it's also the very name of the planet in the Anglo-Saxon language. And I'm going to tell you, there is a connection with this thing on the rod. There's a connection with this thing with Lucifer. Futuristically, and I'm just going to need time to do all this teaching.
going to have to come back again and again and keep adding more and more to it. There's piles of stuff I was not able to get into today. But I want you to digest this. And I want you to think about this Gentile. Let me pray for you right now. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue, and the spinal column. Begin to send messages through the corpus callosum, all the hemispheres, into the penal gland, through the heart tract, through the connection. To this synaphic, to the Bhutan. Begin to loosen that in the listeners here on this broadcast who need healing in their body and deliverance in their body, who are weighted down with afflictions, weighted down with terrible sicknesses and mental distress. Begin to loosen that in their body right now. Right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. God bless you, dear friends. We love you. I know this is heavy stuff. But if you keep listening, you will get it. And when you get it, you'll shout the, the biggest shout that you've ever shouted. God bless you. Good evening.